0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're going to be cracking open the word this morning as we finalize. We're going to finish, we're going to wrap up our series on good work. And just by the way, how good is the Bible? How good is the Bible? We're going to be seeing what we can get out of it. Yeah, I reckon it deserves a clap too, but we... We're going to see what we can get out of it as we finish up our series on good work. And we've done, I think it's the fourth week, so we've covered some good ground. And we've established that work is not just a nine-to-five. It's not just doing things in a ministry context. Work is so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And we're in the same vein. Today, I want to explore something that I hope encourages us to be looking at how we can be used by God not, uh, in so many more ways, in everything that we do. Now, that, there we go. Cool. I just had a weird screen come up. Um, but we're going to, I hope that we can be encouraged by, yeah, what God can use us to do. Use us no matter what we do. And so my message today is called, Whatever. And it's not like some stereotypical two thousand teen going, Whatever or anything like that. It's not something like that. But literally, a committed, a solid, intentional whatever, no matter what, whatsoever. And because I want to encourage us this morning that whatever, whatever you do, is important to God. Now, of course, I do need to put a slight caveat on that, is that there are some legal and moral boundaries within which we should do whatever. But I want to remind us that you are where you are, Not by mistake. You, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for what you are doing. And he is working all things together for good and for his purpose. You are just where he needs you to be, no matter what you do for work. So today we're going to see that whatever you do, you are positioned by God. We're going to see that whatever you do, it fits in God's purpose We're going to see that whatever you do, it is to be done with passion. So positioned, purpose, passion. I did three Ps at youth as well this term. So Ps are in, in vogue. But we're going to be looking at those three things. And underpinning all of this is the truth that whatever we do, we do it knowing that we are really serving the Lord of heaven and earth in all that we do. And that in Him we will receive an inheritance. Can I get an amen? In him we will receive an inheritance. So this morning I'm hoping that we can all be encouraged by that because I know just like Smath, Smash Mouth sang or if you've ever watched the beginning of Shrek, well the years start coming and they don't start coming. And sometimes the world just keeps spinning, life gets busy, we can get lost in all the motions of life becoming so discontent with our jobs we start to wonder, we get disfocused, and we start to wonder what is exactly going on. Why am I here? Why do I do this job? What is the purpose of it all? How does it fit in to the big God plan? But today, I hope we all work away knowing that there are opportunities all around us that we, just need to, that we are positioned where we need to be. There is a purpose and maybe even we will be more passionate when we log in tomorrow morning. So let's read from Colossians 3, verse 22. And it says Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward as you are serving. You are serving the Lord Christ. Why don't you join me as we kick off this morning in prayer. Lord, I thank you that we are serving you. Lord, I thank you that as we serve you, we will receive an inheritance. Lord, I thank you that regardless of what we do, it can be used in your purpose. And Lord, I pray that we are going to walk away from here more passionate, more willing to put in the hard yards, and Lord, I pray that you'll be with us all as we continue on in our, in our Monday to Friday, God, that we'll carry you with us, not just on a Sunday. In your name, amen. So I wonder if you've ever been in the right place at just the right time, and you've experienced something special. Megan and I have. We were very fortunate. A couple of years ago, we got to go to America, and once we booked the tickets, something I was really keen to do was go to some NBA games actually, I say I was keen, but Megan was also keen. She likes the basketball too. But I go for a team based in Oklahoma. Now, if you don't know your US geography, Oklahoma is like smack bang in the middle. And we were only going to be traveling on the East Coast. So the chances of me seeing my team play were pretty slim because they only play out there like once a year, once a season. But when we booked the tickets, we looked at the NBA schedule, and it just so happened that we were going to be just down the road from the stadium of a team that they were versing in New York. They, we, we, on the last night of our trip, they were going to be coming into town. And so to finish our holiday, perfect end to the end to the trip, would be to watch my team, not just some random team, my team play. And I was very excited. We we're going to be in the right place at the right time. We got to the stadium. I could hear my, one of my favorite players. I could hear him talking from, and, I, and like grunting, and I was... I was, I was excited, just ask Megan later. Like I could hear them making all the noises. And uh, we were we were sitting on um, pretty good seats. We splurged a little bit. But we it, it looked like it was not going to go well. We uh, ended up at three-quarter time. We were down by a lot. They play in quarters, just like the AFL. Uh, they play in quarters. Three-quarter time, we are down by a lot. And I'm sitting there. I'm writing up an angry Facebook post, something along the lines of, I've traveled halfway across the country. You can't even put in the hard work to, like, win. They were be- they'd benched all our good players. They were sitting there at the beginning of the three-quarter. It looked like we'd thrown in the towel. I'm sitting there typing away, but then shot after shot kept going in, and, and, and the gap closed, and it ended up becoming our biggest ever comeback in history. We won it on a clutch shot. Clutch means last second. You have to be really clutch to make a clutch shot. We won it on a on a buzzer beater, and my goodness, what a time! The, the we were an away crowd, and the away crowd was louder than the home support. It was it was booming in there. We were in the right place at the right time. We got to see the biggest com- comeback in history. We've also heard a few uh, good right place, right time stories lately with the Queen. One funny one I heard, and maybe maybe you have, maybe you, you've heard some of these as well, but. Uh, An American tourist was sort of traveling over in like northern UK, northern England. I couldn't remember exactly where, but uh, it was near one of the Queen's estates. And she was off having a picnic with one of her staff members. And this guy comes walking up on a bushwalk and he just starts making some small talk. And he he says, oh, I hear the Queen is often around here. Have you ever met her? Because he didn't realize that he was actually talking to the Queen. And the queen says, oh, look, I've never met her, but my friend here, he meets her all the time. (laughs) And the American tourist was very excited by this. He said, oh, my gosh, what's she like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he made a joke at the queen's expense. It was all very funny. But the the tourist wanted some photos. So he got some photos with the guy because the guy knew the queen. (laughs) And he said, can you take a photo? So he got the queen to take a photo of him with this lady. Eventually, they took one with all of them. And they walked away. They never, the queen never revealed who she was. But she turned to her, her staffer uh, as he was leaving and she said, I wish I was a fly on the wall. When he gets home and he's showing those photos and somebody says, you know that's the queen, right? <laughs> he was at the right place at the right time. Too bad he didn't know it. But I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about your work putting you in the right place at the right time as well. Have you ever thought about how God positions you just where he needs you to be? Maybe when you read about Colossians 3 for Paul's instructions to bond servants. Now, sometimes maybe you're like me and you go, I relate to that a lot. I know exactly how a servant feels sometimes. Or maybe I think I do. When I'm at work, I feel like I've got earthly masters. But maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, oh, we don't have slaves. Why do we care? But we can apply the same principles here that Paul is describing for servants to our own work. And being positioned by God is something that applies to all of us. There are several examples of servants being at just the right place at just the right time throughout the Bible, none more famous than Joseph interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh and being elevated to a position of power and influence. In week one, we read about Nehemiah, who, who was put in, right, in the right place at the right time to get the ear of his king and put in, uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but also we see how the Samaritan woman in the New Testament is getting water from the well at just the right time to encounter Jesus and take the good news of Jesus to her whole village and they were all saved. She was at just the right place at just the right time. Well, you too are in just the right place that God needs you to be. It may not always feel like that, but let me encourage you that the God of heaven and earth he knows every hair on your head. He knows you so intimately, every thought, every, every desire of your heart, and he has a plan for you. If, if, he, if he knew all that stuff and didn't have a plan for you, it wouldn't be a great God, right? Like, he truly cares, and so he has a plan for you. And I've got the evidence, Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Proverbs sixteen verse nine: The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. He positions you. Pro- Romans 8, 28, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. And those who are called according to His purpose. And finally, Acts seventeen twenty six: And He made the one man, uh, He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, he positioned you, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. You are in the right place at the right time. God has a plan for you and you are living it out, believe it or not. He knows where you are. But the thing about being at the right place at the right time is that we need to not just be... Positioned physically, but spiritually. We read in these verses that when we seek God and aim to be righteous, we position ourselves to be used by God. He establishes our steps, make sure we are in the right direction when we delight in His way. And that includes in our work. Colossians 3 encourages us to do work with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. That means seek God, be made right in his eyes and do that when we're at work. When we do this, we are positioned for what God needs us to do. So I wonder, is that what's holding you back? If you go to work and you don't feel like you're in the right place, well, are you you seeking God? I wonder if you find you're feeling a lack of meaning. And I know I'm preaching to myself right now. If I find a lack of meaning at work, am am I truly working to please God? Or am I working in such a way that I'm trying to be righteous, regardless of what it is that I'm doing? You may be thinking, Tim, that's great, but I hate my job. I'm unmotivated. I'm uninspired. What is God going to be able to do in my situation? I'd be better used in a different role, in a different job, in a different career, only then will I be correctly positioned. Now, I'm not here to say that that's not true. I'm, I'm not here to say that, like, you, you couldn't have a better job. But what I am here to say is that you are positioned correctly by God. You can do what you enjoy, but don't think that God can't use you when you're not doing exactly that. Can I challenge you? I'm challenging myself too. This has been a t- an eye-opening message to prepare for, but can I challenge you that maybe... The, posi- the problem isn't your physical position, but rather your spiritual position. Because remember, our message is whatever we do. Are you framing your work around what you can do or around what God can do through you? Because let me tell you, you're exactly where God wants you to be. And he doesn't make mistakes. So are you preparing yourself for what he's going to do through your work. we need to prepare ourselves and position ourselves spiritually regardless of what our job is. Because here's the funny thing about God. He can use us regardless of what we're doing. Remember, whatever you do, you are positioned by God. And here's a sobering thought. And this is especially one for me as somebody who's who's slightly ambitious and keen to try and see what I can achieve in life. But not everyone's going to be prime minister. Not everyone is going to be CEO of Apple. Not everyone is going to head up a huge charity making difference all over the world. And that's a bit of a reality check because the large majority of, u- of us are going to spend our life doing work that can f- feel pretty standard, feel like just another cog in a much larger machine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're an ambitious person like me, that's a bit of a reality check. And in this machine, we may not always feel... A sense of purpose for what we do. But remember, we're talking about whatever we do, and God can bring purpose in whatever that is. Your position is not an accident, it's an assignment. In Proverbs 16, we read, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Wow, even the wicked are in their (laughs) position of purpose. Read read Proverbs 16. There's some gold in that. This is my second reference today, but anyway, read it. In Acts, we see people who God positions, so he's positioned them, and now we're going to see how he uses them for his purpose. Even when their jobs, their occupations seem really mundane, unrelated to what God may need to do. Trust me, we'll, we'll get there. But his purpose is still so clear in their life. So both Peter and Paul are supported in their early mission by people with just stock standard jobs, regular Joes. In Acts chapter 10, verse 5, we're reading about Peter, and it, it says that, and now send men to Joppa, and bring one Simon, who is called Peter, and that's the first Simon, but then the Simon Peter, and then in verse 6, he is lodging with one Simon, this is the second Simon, with one Simon, a tanner whose, whose house is by the sea, and my ears pricked, okay, we've got a job referenced, that might be important. Also, Peter stays with a tanner. Now, let me tell you about a tanner in, in early Christian church times. In Jewish culture, a tanner was seen as slightly unclean. So they weren't fully unclean, but they're slightly unclean because they spend a lot of time with dead animals. They're the ones taking the skin off the carcass. And they would have to live, they, legally, they had to live 25 meters outside of a village because of the smells and the uncleanliness. And they had to live near water so that it could just wash the waste away pretty quickly. And here was the funny part well, not funny for them, but funny in 2,000 years later. But if they were betrothed to be married to someone and she didn't know that they were a tanner by trade, the betrothal could be nullified. Like it could be voided when she found out. Like, so these people were considered unclean. So they weren't, they weren't, they were still Jewish, but they were considered like half unclean. And then here we have Peter who is, he's, he's, he's looking for somewhere to stay, and he stays with a tanner, which is already starting to break Jewish protocol. You wouldn't really want to spend time with them or be associated with them. But what is so interesting is that this is just a few verses before Peter has his, his famous vision, if, if you've read any of Acts, his famous vision where the food comes down and it's all on a sheet. So here we have Peter staying, already starting to break the chain of the ritualistic, Jewish culture, uh, and the religiosity of that culture. <coughs> and then he has a vision in which God reveals to him that, you are, that that now the believers can eat of anything. That we are not to consider unclean what God has made good. We're not to consider it common. And it's just mere verses after Peter starts lodging with his tanner. In the middle of this whole journey of, of this, of Peter's journey of acceptance, is a regular Joe with a, jo- with a job that God uses for God's purpose. He's in the right place at the right time, and God has purpose for him. We don't even know how he came to accept Peter into his home. But we do know that he's considered unclean. He's literally on the outskirts of society. For all we know, he was just doing his job. Peter's walked up and said, hey, mate, can I like bunk in your attic? And yet still, God uses him for his purpose. No matter how mundane or even worse you think your job is, God can still use you for his purpose. A few chapters later in Acts 18, we read about Paul and it says, after this, Paul left after. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. Because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade, another job. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. This couple provided support for Paul. And, and it was, their profession is not unimportant because Paul was also a tent maker. So he, he's linked up with them because of a shared job. We don't actually know if they were Christians yet. And, and they like a 50-50 split on whether they were or not. But Paul sets up with them because he would be able to support himself and he was able to get a roof over his head. And he, was, he could continue doing his ministry. But it turns out that God's purpose for them, these tent makers, these regular Joes, turns out to be far greater than what would seem on the surface. When we get to the end of Romans, Paul references this couple once more. And he says in verse 3 Greet Prisha and Aquila. So Prisha is just a shortened Priscilla. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Give thanks as well. This couple goes from just providing a roof over Paul's head, they may not have even been Christians, to risking their life for him, and who Paul personally thanks in a letter to the Romans for his life, but also, catch it, that all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Clearly this couple had a purpose far greater than making tents. Clearly, this couple were used by God to support the entire Church of the Gentiles. What an incredible purpose God had in store for them. Like, that blows my mind. These were ordinary people, and they risked their lives for for Paul. What? Is somebody going to walk into your work tomorrow, and you're going to be just led to risk your life for them one day? It could happen. And yet, they're at the right place at the right time, and God uses them far beyond what they had planned. I'm sure that wasn't in their, in their sort of five-year plan, their growth plan. What an impact that they were able to have through their job. So what might God be able to do in your workplace? Will a new EL2 come into the office tomorrow? They, they become your friend, you go to drinks, they become your friend, and and they actually come to Christ through your witness. Then they decide that they're going to go on mission and you end up supporting them for 20 years from afar. That, that's, a, that's a modern day retelling of Priscilla and Aquila. Would you be willing to risk your, nu- risk your neck for something for God that comes to you through your work? Are you open to seeing what the purpose might be of your workplace? Through both these stories, we see that whatever you do, God can use you for his purpose. No matter what you do, God can use you. You are you are where he has placed you and he has a purpose for you. So what do we do now? What can we do be doing to start positioning ourselves spiritually and preparing ourselves for what purpose God has in store for us? Well, in Colossians 3, we find an answer. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And in the Amplified, it says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, work at it heartily. Work from the soul or do it with passion. We all know what it looks like when some somebody does something with passion. My brother, he got really into four-wheel driving. He became passionate about four-wheel driving. And so this guy went from being a, a, a gamer to buying his patrol and doing it up in the mum's driveway. She hated it sometimes. But there he was changing oil and, and you know, putting new wheels on it and installing new things because he was passionate about it. He went all in. He committed fully to it. Megan's a teacher. She's a passionate teacher. And sometimes I have to remind her that, hey, it's just a job. You don't have to keep doing it when you get home. <laughs> passionate people, the point is passionate people do everything. They throw everything behind what they're doing. They just can't help themselves. And that's how Paul is instructing us to work, with passion, to put our all in as if we are serving God. Now, maybe it's just the millennial within me but I can hear the outcries. That how can I do something with passion when I'm not passionate about it? Well, we live in a world where we are encouraged to find what we are passionate about. We we are so lucky and fortunate that we live in a time and a context where that is the case. But sometimes the world says that only the things that we are passionate about are worth doing. Well, I call poppycock. There are plenty of things that need doing that I'm sure people are not passionate about. And you know how I know this? Because I'm not always passionate about what I do. I work in IT risk assurance. I couldn't sometimes care less about the newest risk control in IT. I'm not passionate about that. And there are some other jobs I can't imagine being passionate about either. One, and I don't want to be too offensive, but one that I really couldn't do is be a parking ticket person. Like, I just couldn't do that. I couldn't be passionate about that. But if God put me there, I would do it with passion, as if serving the Lord. (laughs) Watch out. Maybe we can ticket the new service stream. But when we think about being passionate in our workplaces, our theology actually has to apply in whatever context. And only now, in the 21st century, are we being encouraged to pursue what we're passionate about. That, That wasn't happening 100 years ago, and yet God's message still applied then. No matter what you do, do it passionately. See, God doesn't need us to be passionate about; rather, He just wants us to do what we do passionately. See the difference? I propose that when we do when we do what we do heartily, when we do it from the soul, when we do it with passion, we're actually preparing ourselves to be placed spiritually where God needs us to be. And when we do that, we find purpose fulfill God's purpose in our work. Whenever we do what it is that we do with passion, the more God is going to do through us. And it's not because God can't use us, you know, even if we're not passionate, because that would be a limit on a limitless God. But instead, we have a God who operates in the law of multiplication, and He, he wants to entrust us with a small bit, or He's going to give us So if you can't even do your small job with passion, why would He start giving you more things to do? God's purpose will be revealed further and further the more we work with passion. So whatever you do, you are positioned by God. Whatever you do fits into God's purpose. And whatever you do is to be done with passion as we work this in this way, as we seek God and we allow ourselves to be positioned by Him, we spiritually position ourselves. We keep a lookout for the purpose that He wants to fulfill in our workplace. And when we do that with passion, Colossians tells us we receive an inheritance from God. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This inheritance that we receive in Him is eternity with Him. It's saving us from the punishment that we so richly deserve, and that's death and it's separation from God. And instead, when we seek Him, when we accept Jesus into our life, we receive an eternal life, an eternal reward, and a close relationship with Him. And that's a relationship, that's an inheritance available to you, whatever your history, whatever you do, whoever you are, you can access the inheritance from God, and we can achieve that through our work, that's also what we want to share. It's an inheritance for us and for others. We're to go and make disciples of all nations. So I want to encourage you and I want to invite us now to just take a moment to choose Jesus and to accept this inheritance into our life. Because maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking I want to be positioned. I want to have a purpose in my life. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to work with passion and I want that inheritance. You've never accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Well, I want to give you a chance right now to do that so I We're going to pray a prayer together in just a moment. And we're going to repeat the words as I say them. But as we all pray, if that's you, if you want to accept Jesus into your life this morning, I want you to pray them deep in your heart. And that's if you're here in person or if you're online as well. Don't miss this moment. Because trust me, God has a purpose. You're where you need to be. And maybe that is listening to this message right now. So why don't you bow your head and close your eyes with me so we can focus on God as we pray. Heavenly Father, I want you. I want the inheritance you have for me. I want to be positioned by you. I want to serve you with passion. And I want to be part of your purpose. I know I'm not perfect and I need you. I ask you to come into my life commit my life to you and believe you are who you say you are. I choose you today. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com